Good morning, this is Bryce Peterson, and you're listening to Actually You Can. Episode 68, Christmas When? I do want to take a quick moment to mention that this episode does contain content referencing events from World War II, and it may be upsetting to some listeners. Is it really over, or did it ever really begin? Is it true that Christmas is a frame of mind, or is it something that happens to us? Something that drains our bank account every year by the 25th of December. What is it anyway? I was fascinated to hear this. I've joked around about celebrating Christmas in the summer, getting all the decorations up, bringing out neighbor gifts, watching Home Alone, you know, all the normal things that normal people do for Christmas and just do it in the summer and see how it felt. I've never had the ambition to actually pursue that. However, one of my friends recently did something similar. I don't think most people do this, but I think there's a few. They determined to celebrate Christmas on the 23rd instead of the 25th. They did the whole morning routine that most of us, if not all of us, did on the 25th. But they did that on the 23rd. And on the 25th, they flew to a very nice climate with a beach and stayed at a nice resort for their Christmas break. And my friend went on to explain to me that he was curious how they would feel if they didn't actually, well, if they celebrated it on a different day. He was super curious about it, and he said, you know what? We felt exactly the same celebrating it on the 23rd as we always have celebrating it on the 25th. And he was talking to me on Christmas. He sent me a Marco Polo. I love Marco Polo, so there's a few people that know that about me, so they will stay in contact with me this way. And he said, you know what? Today feels like any other day to us. It, it really doesn't matter what the rest of the world is doing if you aren't tapped into that with your own thoughts and your own emotions and your behaviors. So this is a fascinating thing. We sort of know that this is how it works, right? But this is just another way that really demonstrates to me the reality that our thoughts about something and our subsequent emotions and actions are creating the reality. They're creating the whole experience. They didn't acknowledge Christmas on Christmas Day itself. They were in completely different surroundings than they normally were and they'd already celebrated it so they were just going about their business and they had the experience to match what they were thinking about and what they were doing. So this means that you can carry that Christmassy feeling with you wherever you want, wherever you want. If you're like that fictional character in Michael McLean's musical, The Forgotten Carols, you can have that feeling all year long. You can set your Christmas tree up any time of year. You can turn your Christmas lights on any time of year, and we know some people do. Maybe you're one of those people that leaves your lights up all year long. Power to you. I'm all about that sort of thing, except that I'm not. I've never set up Christmas lights on the outside of my house ever, and I never will because I haven't created meaning around that. So I haven't pursued it. Actually, I shouldn't say I never will. I might do that sometime. Who knows? Maybe next year I'll do it. I can do what I want. Another thing that struck me as a profound example of 
how our thoughts create our reality, is there are many circumstances, many events that historically have transpired already. They happened decades ago. It doesn't matter how long ago in the past it occurred. It happened a long time ago, a whole lifetime ago, more than a lifetime ago. And sometimes when we learn about those things, we might get excited, depending on what it is, or maybe we become very sad and feel very crushed by it. I recently heard about some different bombings that happened in Japan during World War II, not the, the more famous ones where the atomic bombs were dropped. There were other things that happened prior to that that I didn't know about. And hundreds of thousands of people are estimated to have died in these other bombings. And they were essentially fire bombings. And I, I was hearing about this on a podcast I listened to called Revisionist History with Malcolm Gladwell. Highly recommend the podcast. Some of the content's a little more lighthearted. Some of it's very raw and not for everybody. And I reflected specifically on these on these bombings in Japan that took place in the middle of the night where hundreds of thousands of people were burned alive and it just I just got teary-eyed and sat there and cried thinking about it and I thought about how the things that we do to each other the things that we think about each other I think mostly because we lack the memories of the pre-existence we don't remember the relationships that we had with each other before we came to earth. We don't remember that we were all children of God together, willing to back each other up. We don't remember promises that we made to each other. And because of that, and because we are in this mortal experience where we're fighting for survival, seeking for pleasure, avoiding pain, trying to be as efficient as we can be, we get stuck in this crazy rat race, and we do horrible things to each other. First, we think horrible things, many of which are not even true. Thoughts are not true or false. But our thoughts are creating this emotional terrain, this emotional soil from which our actions grow, and there you have it. I feel like there's a very philosophical angle that we can take when it comes to pain and suffering. We know that the animal kingdom at large, any creature that has a version of a nervous system, is going to have some version of pain. We don't know what all of these creatures are experiencing cognitively, necessarily, but they are having an experience. They do have a certain amount of awareness, and they definitely feel pain. But the pain that the broader animal kingdom experiences, I'm, I'm excluding humans for this particular definition, like when a cheetah hunts down a gazelle, say, for example. I, I don't know if cheetahs eat gazelles. I didn't research that prior to saying this. But let's just say the cheetah does eat a gazelle. That gazelle experiences pain from being hunted down and killed by the cheetah. Fear and different emotions that accompany that experience this must be very traumatizing for as long as it lasts. And yet there's something almost sacred about the pain. It's not wasted the cheetah merely hunted the gazelle to be able to feed herself and her cubs. So there's not, in my view, any sin involved here in this. Yes, there was pain. Yes, a life was taken. But it's so this cheetah could feed her cubs. Now, in my view, the distinguishing characteristic of humans is that we have this characteristic ability for critical thinking, for being able to foresee in a way how our actions 
are going to impact the future. Now, granted, all of us are at different levels of development of this ability. They say, in general, by about age 25 is when you can expect to have a fully developed brain and the ability to really foresee how your actions are going to impact future. But nevertheless, the ability exists. And therefore, when it comes to causing pain and suffering, we have the light of Christ guiding us and the ability, as we reach a certain age, to know that certain pain is unnecessary. So if we ever choose something that causes pain, if we really stop to think about it beforehand, we would know that there are other ways to accomplish something that do not require that. In my view, any act of war is based on what well, stems from the thoughts and feelings of the natural man, which are always an enemy to God and always will be, unless we yield to the enticings of the Holy Spirit and become as a child. But any act of war is a lack of forethought. Someone or a group of people chose a path that caused pain, and they didn't need to do that. This could be at a small scale in relationships, you know, one-on-one -on -one with each other, or at a larger scale. But this is why we are fallen as human beings, because we have the ability to think things through and choose a path that doesn't cause conditions that are conducive to pain. And yet we do not always follow that. None of us follows that higher road all the time. But we know better, and this is why we are fallen. I think in a large measure, this is why the atonement is needed to address this particular fallen condition of ours. Circling back to the events of which, since I was talking World War II, that happened a lifetime ago. And there's so much about it that I do not know and will probably never know. But if the circumstances are documented and they come to my attention, then I have the opportunity to think about it and I can feel however I determine to based on my thoughts around that thing. But when I heard about those firebombs in the middle of the night and all the, all the suffering that happened from that, it just really got me sad, really got me sad. And it, it made me think about the passage in the Pearl Great Price where God weeps. Enoch sees God weeping and asks him why. How can you, being this almighty creator, so powerful, how can you weep? And he weeps because we would not that he would be our God, and we hate our own blood. How desperately we need the atonement of Jesus Christ. What a glorious thing we celebrate every Christmas, every Easter, every Sunday, when we take the sacrament, whenever we lift the hands that hang down, we commemorate and acknowledge and honor the great and last sacrifice made by the Savior Jesus Christ. Now, the whole concept of CTFAR, circumstances, thoughts, feelings, actions, results, has its application to our relationship with deity, to our relationship with the Savior. At some point, in order to embrace the full measure of the blessings of the atonement, we have to become aware of, of this circumstance, the circumstance and the reality that we are fallen as human beings, we are fallen as individuals, and that Christ has won the battle. He has taken upon himself all of our sins, afflictions, pains, sicknesses, sorrows, 
everything he's taken upon himself. Then he laid down his life and took it up again on the third day. These are circumstances. Much of the world has no concept that this has occurred. They knew about all this in the pre-existence, and they made their choice and were accountable and will experience the outcome from their choice. They're here, they have a body, and because they supported God's plan of agency and because Christ laid down his life and was resurrected, everybody will be resurrected. That is our reward for upholding the plan of agency and coming into this world. We kept our first estate. The first estate was to uphold the plan of agency, and so we will be rewarded for that. We are granted a resurrected body because of Christ's merits. But the degree of glory that we will experience is contingent on us and our thoughts around the circumstance that Christ took upon himself our sins, our beliefs about that, our acknowledgement of that reality. Do we allow ourselves to be humbled by that? Are we brought to our knees in gratitude over that reality? of what he has done for each one of us, what he has done for our wives, our husbands, our children, for all people, for our enemies, for our friends. It really does matter what we think about his atonement or what we don't think. If we have felt to sing the song of redeeming love at any point in our lives, like Alma the Younger asks, can we feel so now? The song of redeeming love. Is that a song we feel we can sing right now? If it's not, that is okay. Christ stands with his arms outstretched to us as we speak, as we hear this, at all times. The amount of love that he possesses and has shared with us is so grand and immense, it cannot be articulated. And because of that, I fear that we really don't try very hard to embrace those blessings. They're so big we don't even... Part of our brain doesn't want to acknowledge it. We don't have to embrace that all at once. If we can have but just a desire to believe, let that work within us. And soon that plant of faith will sprout and begin to grow and begin to bear fruit. It's a slow, slow process sometimes. Probably more often than it is a quick process. It's very organic. It's not like a house on extreme home makeover that can be built over a weekend if you have enough people. It's not like that. You can't take a tree and make it grow from a seed into a tall tree bearing fruit over a weekend if you have enough people. It is an organic process. It takes a certain amount of time for these changes to occur in us. And that is okay. That's how it is and that's how it's supposed to be. If there's two big takeaways for me right now, that Christ has won the battle. He's already won. In the long run, darkness does not prevail in the world at large and in our own personal lives. And the other take home is that we have the gift of agency. We get to choose our thoughts around the circumstances that are around us. And our emotions flow from that. All the power doesn't lie in everyone else to control our life. We are the ones. We are the sovereigns of our own experience. If you're relatively new to the podcast, I want to welcome you and thank you for taking the time to listen. Whether you're new or a long-standing listener, I want to remind everybody of some sources where you can learn some more about all of this. 
I'm putting together my own resource for people to kind of dive deeper into these concepts at BricePeterson.com. I've got a few different pages up that talk about the lower brain, what we have to confront with our lower brain, and, and the reality that it's there and it's not going away. But to know of what its agenda is and how being aware of that can help us take the next step in our life no matter what we're trying to work on. I talk about what causal coaching is and how that can be a resource to us and some various other things. And it's, it's a work in progress, but that's a resource that you can go to. And then I'll also point out, I want to mention the people that I listen to on a regular basis, and I'm trying to add my voice to theirs to spread the message of causal coaching, the approach of CTFAR throughout the world as much as I can. Brooke Castillo and the Life Coach School podcast is a great place to go. She's a big proponent of this, one of the primary proponents that are out there. Jody Moore is a Latter-day Saint life coach who graduated from the Life Coach School. One day I'd love to say the same. I haven't graduated from the Life Coach School yet. It's quite expensive. But one day, one day, I'd like to do that. And I will target Latter-day Saint fathers specifically and kind of go from there. Uh, the podcast that Jody Moore does is called Better Than Happy. Uh, between those two podcasts, they've been active for probably nine, ten years plus, each of them. Lots of really good stuff out there. Both of them have written books on the stuff. So I just want to make you aware of other places where you can get this information because it's very important to me that this message gets out into the world as much as it possibly can because it's very useful for navigating this mortal experience. I'm sure that once we have a resurrected body, there will be a new way of viewing things and things will work a little bit differently then, I would imagine. There's a, there's a higher plane of perception and experience. But right now in this telestial world that we're in, the causal coaching model, CTFAR, is extremely useful. So please get your hands on this information wherever you can get it if it's if it's helping you out. I want to thank you in advance for leaving me a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please leave me a review. I put a lot of time into these podcasts and I really enjoy doing it and your review helps people to find it. If you're enjoying the content, share it with somebody. I appreciate that too. As much as we can get this message out, the better off this world's going to be. Hope you're having a great, awesome Merry Christmas. And if things are a little not quite what you hope they would be, remember, the true battle is won. And that's it for now.